You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 334 of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. Hi. I'm Dan. And tonight, we are going to ride for justice. <laughs> right? That's what we're doing. <laughs> I like you. You like, I like that you started off like really committed to it. Like you started to like beef your voice up. You're like, we're going to ride for justice. Like, yeah. It's, you you know. immediately regretted the decision to... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I you didn't ride that one through, Nathan. I, I think did immediately realized that I did not have an ending for where I was starting that. I, I just, I just wanted to say ride that way. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. So we are finishing out our march. <laughs> out our March Madness series with Riders of Justice by Anders Thomas Jensen. And I, um, I'm, I'm a little shocked at how much I love this movie. Uh, I shouldn't be surprised, but, but, but I was like, I was expecting it to be good. I mm. wasn't expecting it to be as just like, oh my God, I love this movie. And, uh, and yeah, mm. n- now we're going to talk. Same. About although I watched this before you. And as soon as I watched this, I'm like, well, this is the most Nathan movie that we could have <laughs> possibly picked for the series like of course this had to win <laughs> because nathan is going to go bananas for it i really should have pulled the uh the clip of step away from the wires but you know it would have been danish and it wouldn't yeah, have made any sense <laughs> we would have had I mean, to translate it, it to all of our listeners in denmark d- yes which you know we might have one i, I think I mean, it's Mads Mikkelsen, obviously. Oh my God, I would love it if Mads actually listened to our episodes. He's sitting there on the press tour for the secrets of Dumbledore, and he's like, "God, I'm sick of this bullshit. I'm just gonna go listen to a podcast." <laughs> 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 really, don't listen to a podcast. It's all about video and monsters. I wonder if there's a podcast about <laughs> video monsters. Uh, Mads, if you are listening, uh, we would love to have you on the podcast and to to pick your brain mostly about anders thomas jensen films because those are just so fascinating also the other movies but the, i just want to like most... hang out with him like, but yes also that i don't like, even need to like talk about movies with him i just want to like find out how his day's going i just want to know how his day is <laughs> like just want to just have him <laughs> come home after a long hard day shooting and just be like oh yeah i had to deal with fucking you know Newt Scamander today. I don't know. <laughs> What's his Eddie Redmayne? Uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I just want, I just want to listen to Mads tell me about his day. That's where I'm going with that. <laughs> Maybe he can do an audio series where he's just, you know, just sitting down with just a bottle of whiskey, just talking about his day. Oh, man. He could totally do like some great ASMR stuff. 
Like you hear the at the beginning, you just hear him kind of like opening the bottle of whiskey, delicately pouring it out, and then just kind of, you know, just, just quietly, you know, talking about what nonsense happened to him today. I don't know. I I am so there. We're going way too long on this, guys. Let's keep moving. Are are we? <laughs> because um, I, I kind of want to focus on Mads again. All right. So let's start talking about Riders of Justice. And we already covered a little bit of our prior information in our uh, in our popcorn punch out where we were talking about or not where we we're talking about, but where we did our bracket trying to figure out which movies we were going to talk about. So uh, at that point, I had not seen it, but I had seen Men and Chicken and I loved it. And Eric, you had not seen any Anders Thomas Jensen films, correct? Uh, that that is <clears throat> correct, unless you consider uh, The Dark Tower, which was co-written by Anders Thomas Jensen. I do <laughs> not. I saw that one. I do not. And <laughs> then, Dan, this was the movie that kicked everything off, right? Like, this was what yeah. really started March Madness. So, yeah, this was the one where I had, like, a Saturday where I didn't have anything to watch and i was like oh i heard this is pretty good because it popped up on hulu so i'm like i'll watch that and then yeah two hours later i'm like i need to see everything these guys have done ever <laughs> then created it created this incredible ripple effect across time that affected all of our lives very deeply mm-hmm. yes changed the course of what we were going to be doing almost <laughs> as if we were fated to do this yeah 100 percent. yeah or it was just coincidence that <laughs> March Madness sounds a lot like Madsness. <laughs> you ever just think about all the all the things that had to happen for us to be in this <laughs> specific moment in time? Yes. <laughs> I love that there's a lot in this movie that is like it seems so obvious as it's said, but it's the kind of thing you never really think about where he's talking about like all of the different variables that lead to any particular moment in, at any particular time. Like mm-hmm. it's completely unquantifiable and like you would drive yourself crazy like trying to even piece together any bit of it because it's always something else that it's going to lead back to mm-hmm. it's just really fascinating to think about like how every single moment in your life is dictated by the actions of people that you never knew and i don't know it's just it's the kind of thing that's like kind of it's fun to think about but it's also like incredibly difficult to wrap your head around mm-hmm. just it's immensely complex yep not even a computer could figure it out i mean a computer did kind of figure it out and oh my god okay oh there's so much that i want to talk about with this movie so uh let's start with just the quick summary of this is about uh mads mickelson is a army guy sergeant captain i don't know what he is he's in the army and uh while he is still on tour his wife gets killed in a train accident and a statistician uh, thinks a statistician who was on the train and gave up his seat for his wife spoilers, but whatever it's like the first five minutes of the movie uh, thinks that this is no accident and that it all revolves around this gang, the writers of justice, which BT dubs. I <laughs> love, love the fact that the name of this movie is the name of the gang but then like the group of guys going out hunting down the gang are also writing for justice and it works on so many levels. <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah. That was so, surprised that that was what the title referred to. 
it, like that's that's it's, where you get the the name drop of the title within the film mm-hmm. is it's like Riders of Justice is the gang they're going up against. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then the rest of the movie is just Mads and uh, a couple of statisticians and computer hackers trying to hunt down a gang. Mm-hmm. In the most hilarious Danish Cohen-esque way possible. And I, I adore this movie so much. This is an absolute recommend from all of us. If you've never seen it, go watch it right now. Uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier. It doesn't make sense for us with as much as we analyze movies to save the recommendations and pairings for the end. Because if you've already listened uh-huh. to us dissect this movie, you've probably already seen the movie and know whether or not you would like it. So right. if you have not yet seen it, I, I've already said this a number of times, not just in this episode, but in uh, some of the other episodes of the series. Anders Thomas Jensen is very, very much like Danish Coen brothers in in a way that I wasn't expecting and in a way that like I just want to binge all of his movies all the time i've almost watched writers of justice twice since the last time i watched it i didn't have time so i've watched it zero times since the last time but uh <laughs> <laughs> there have been a couple times where it's like i should be doing responsible things but writers of justice exists mm, that is the responsible thing <laughs> that is the responsible thing it is the uh, dumb joke i'm just gonna <clears throat> leave it there uh so so yes um if you enjoy Coen Brothers flicks, you would adore Riders of Justice. It's um, a bit more on the Fargo-esque side of things, I would say. If, if, you, if you were to make a, a Coen Brothers comparison, I would put it somewhere between Fargo and Miller's Crossing. I don't know. It's so weird. Like, this movie... The at least in America, the marketing for this movie, of course, kind of leaned into the more like John Wickian aspects of it, yeah. where it's you know the revenge tale, you know the Wicky Wickian. Um, <laughs> I, I was just picturing facial you know, reaction. I, I was picturing a, an assassin who is also a witch, and it was like John uh-huh. Wiccan. Yeah, I can't believe there's not a John Wick. There's probably a John Wick, and that's like a what's the what's that, that film company? Asylum. Yeah, that's an asylum. Movie for sure, John Wick. Um, but no, like the the movie, the marketing for this movie, at least in the states, uh, really leaned in on like, yeah, this is like Mads Mikkelsen, badass getting revenge because his wife is dead. And then you watch this movie and it's like, this is more of a comedy than it is an action movie. Like, it's fucking hilarious. And it's like, like, it's really high concept comedy at times to the point where it's like, at a certain point, the people who are helping Mads have to pretend to be psychologists <laughs> for his daughter. So they she doesn't know what's going on. And it's just like the kind of wacky shit that you would get in like an 80s farce comedy. It's so weird. The thing is, they're good. Yeah, they're like good psychologists. I'm like that one guy. Like yeah, I mean, well, and they're good psychologists because they they've seen so many psychologists. Yeah, he's he's had four thousand hours Um, of therapy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating, and it's and it's the kind of thing where like it starts off pretty simple, and like it reveals so much depth within these characters as it goes along. In a way that just like kind of 
sucker punches you with emotion at a certain point. You're like, God damn it. I didn't realize how much I love these like weirdos. <laughs> so, uh, really quick, because I think that that is a great starting point. Um, spoilers. We're going to be getting into spoilers. We're going to jump all around this movie, uh, especially because a lot of the themes like I'm, I'm going to jump straight into the end in talking about the characters and how well developed they are and how much you get to know them and get to care about them. And, and the ending scene is the best way to talk about that. Uh, so we're, we're going to be getting into spoilers. If you've never seen writers of justice again, we all very, very strongly recommend it. Go watch it. All right. So from here on out spoilers. All right. So Eric, do you remember, uh, you know, like 12 hours ago, not 12, like 24 hours ago, when I was saying how uh, another round was a little general. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Part of that critique, and, and again, I loved another round. It, it got me emotionally. But part of the feeling of just like, ah, man, some of the like plot points in another round feel a little generic. It's because I watched another round and then like two days later before we had a chance to, to like actually get into our dissection with it. I watched Riders of Justice and the comparison okay. of Mads in, in, in another round, the comparison of, all right, he's a history teacher who is in a marriage that they're just kind of drifting apart. Like you don't actually know that much about him. Yes, you know enough to get invested in the story and all of those things. But in terms of just like the general, like he's he's a guy. He he danced. That's a detail that we know. Um, but like the rest of the characters in another round, even though you care very, 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 very deeply about them, there's not a ton of like I know this character in Writers of Justice. I feel like there is so much more character development through little things. Maybe some of it is a bit too direct and a bit too heavy handed in terms of, you know, spelling things out for you in a way that real people might not actually have these conversations uh, that quickly after meeting others. But every single one of these characters I felt like was a much more complete and, um, and, and complicated person like for instance uh imenthaler interesting i <clears throat> yes imenthaler uh-huh. who was played by was, was that nicholas bro is that uh the the actor's name i um i can't remember yes nicholas bro yeah imenthaler played by nicholas bro um his little bit when he was talking to mads after mads killed the guy that they thought was the one who left the train and and his like i get it i used to be in a marching band and like that's where all of my confidence was but without yeah, the, uniform, like playing the french horn yeah and like without the uniform i can't play the french horn and like that attempt to connect to him even though <laughs> even though the tension in the car was just like what the fuck are you talking about dude how does that relate at all it related a ton it's like this this is a great way to get to know so much more about both of these characters through something that is a, a seemingly just like throw off conversation. And then mm. you get the payoff later in, in the movie and, and the way that each of these characters is kind of like filling the role and not only that they think that they should, 
but also like the facade that they need to keep up. So, uh, mm. you know, like Maz <clears throat> is, he, he cares about his daughter, but he has to keep like that emotions are stupid, you know, but, but yeah, don't get upset about anything facade. Uh, you have, the, which is funny because it's, <laughs> we were talking about this with another round where I was like, yeah, typically when men have emotions in movies, it's because they spent the whole movie completely closed off. And then it, <laughs> this movie does exactly that <laughs> where it's yep. like in another round it was like oh yeah he's super vulnerable right at the beginning and this movie Maz is like fuck feelings I don't <clears> want to <throat> feel anything and it's just like a, you know a powder keg situation. but he also is like is a stark contrast to the rest of the characters and and so it's yeah. the, the dynamic and the interplay between each of them that to me brings out so much of the, the characters and give so much more depth to who they are in a way that and again I love another round but because yeah. the characters knew each other in, in another round if they had been okay okay uh, really quick example because I actually forgot to mention this during our another round conversation um, at one point I think it was uh, like at one of the dinner scenes where one of his friends maybe it was Peter uh, asked asked Mads to tell them a story and like he starts and he's like you know this story you've heard it a thousand times and he stops mm -hmm. I love that because typically you get the exposition of I have to tell this for the audience sake and so you have the person tell the the friends the thing that they already know and and, and it bugs me and I really hate it when movies do that but in uh, in another round it made sense to not do that it was great and I loved it but also because they were already friends and they didn't need to keep giving each other those backstories. We as audience, at least me as audience did not have as complete of a picture of these characters. I had the snapshot of what they were encountering in that moment. <clears throat> and, and I think that's fine. Like that's not necessarily a complaint about what the movie was. Mm. Just giving some context to my another round is general. Yeah. Well, I think that another round is is a film that is trying to be very like so much of that movie is about like the internal struggles of those characters and it is a right. film that is very like one of the, I mean what we talked about with that film is what we love most about it is that it never tries to milk the drama it never tries to like you know make these characters super like like in in Riders of Justice, it's a very different type of movie because it's really trying to make these like big characters that pop. You know, they're movie characters. Yes, they're they Coen are. Brothers. In a Coen Brothers movie, they are heightened. Yeah. These are heightened situations. Another round takes a high concept premise and deliberately doesn't heighten it. Right. It keeps it grounded. And in <clears throat> Riders of Justice, it does this really interesting thing where it heightens all of the characters around Mads because these characters are basically surrounding him with pillows, <laughs> trying to comfort him and console him and help him to open up and be a human being. <laughs> so the, to be a lot bigger than he is to a certain extent. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I think that right. I, you know, I, I don't think it's, a, I, I don't think you're knocking on another round in any right. way, but I do think that in writers of justice, it, they pop a bit more because they're, they're more overt. They're playing on, the, the archetypes that you see in these movies, like typically 
when you have like a an enemy of the state type movie or whatever where there's a guy behind the keyboard they're always some kind of goof you know like weirdo who's obsessed with some kind of weird techno thing and this movie's playing on those but also giving them like a depth and humanity that you don't normally see and showing that these are all people who are uh, broken in some way yeah yeah and it's that brokenness that i feel like gives this movie so much heart and why i part of why i loved it so much like yes it was funny and yeah there were some good action scenes but it was the fact that i genuinely cared about these characters Mm. and 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 again like they were all broken and i wanted each of them to get better and they all kind of do but not um and just i think uh, it's not even necessarily that they i don't think any of them really get better they 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 give each other strength they find solace in one another you know they they're like a found family essentially right and they're a bunch of broken people who realize that they can't that like together they can you know, pick up each other's pieces to a certain extent. It's a really like, it's a surprising, there's a, there's a surprising amount of grace notes in a film like this that is essentially kind of predicated on the idea of like getting revenge. And then the, the movie does such a good job of kind of like starting off in these very archetypical ways with these characters who are just kind of funny and goofy and silly, but like slowly throughout the film, they're like, doling out little bits of their past and you're learning more about them and it's adding all of this dimension to these characters and making you rethink you know the things that you were laughing at earlier in the film you know you're in a way you're laughing at their pain and um i don't know it's just it's really brilliant the way that it like is hysterically funny and that these are characters you like enjoy being around because of how goofy they are but also like you learn that they're just like good people who are trying to help each other and they have all these flaws and uh i'm sorry i'm repeating myself yeah, I'm no, it's the, um, you made a really good point in terms of like they don't actually grow they just kind of find strength in each other they they find some solace they uh, they find acceptance of each other and of themselves and the ending scene i feel like okay not like the ending ending scene but the ending scene with that ensemble it's such a beautiful way to bring everything together because it's a christmas scene and they're all opening presents and this weird group of broken people has all come together to be family now but you still get all of the bickering so uh, yeah. the the fact that i like i this is one of the scenes that i was choking back tears when mads and uh his his daughter and i'm going to go back and forth between the characters names and their names because i don't remember mads's character's name but his daughter's character's name is uh matilda um when when they give emmenthaler the the french horn and like the fact that mads the story that emmenthaler told mads stuck with him and then at christmas he was giving back this sort of like all right you've helped me find a piece of who i am so here is an attempt to help you regain who you are it's not it's not said but just that little callback and and it's so beautiful and i was almost you know choking back tears and and then when emmethaler's like what what should i play and the um the the guy that looks like michael palin uh, and the entire movie, I just could not not picture that. 
<laughs> oh, you're talking about Leonard? Leonard. Yes, Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. When he's like, who fucking cares? Just fucking play something. <laughs> God, like, he's, it's such he's the best guy. He's my favorite. Moment. He's so incredible. Oh, my mm. God. It's so good. I, yeah, that that Christmas scene. Um, I, I kind of wanted to cry a lot because you, you, you finally see that growth in Mads but not it's so it's it's, such it's a so heartwarming scene. and it's especially heartwarming too because like the scene that preceded that is this shootout where like i was fully expecting all of them to die like i was like and i was like on the edge of my fucking seat like please don't kill any of these people yeah i thought so, yeah, it was gonna I go was full so, dark and just all of them were going to die yeah, yeah. i was the same way as where i was watching i'm like which one of these guys is it okay because i'm like they're gonna have to kill at least one which one am i okay yeah. with like, None of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they even do like this crazy, like they do the thing where Emmenthaler gets shot in the head. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it, has, like blood it was pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> yeah. So and I'm like, oh my God, he's dead. He's going to die. And yeah. then, uh, and you know, no, he's, he's fine. He just has a, he has like a big bandage around his head <laughs> at the end. Oh, so, like, um, yeah. what well, it's, it's just so good at endearing. Like, again, it's, I do want to kind of provide a, an example that I just remember. I'm going through my notes here and trying to remember. Um, one of the things that I think is is so great. There's these, there's so many moments in the movie that are so funny. One of my favorite running jokes in the film is when they, Otto and Leonard show up at um, Marcus's house for the first time, and tell them and tells him like, "Hey, we think we may have found the person who's responsible for this. Hear us out." So they go out to the barn, and Leonard is just like amazed by this barn he's like this barn is incredible it's so big i love it and then like there's so many like parts throughout the movie where he's like why don't we like go hang out in the barn for a little little bit like and then later on he's like he's sleeping in the barn (laughs) like it's so funny but then later on like he says something um is when he's talking when he is acting as the child psychologist with matilda or matilda yes uh and and he's trying to give an example of how the first time that you experience something traumatic, it's traumatic. But mm. the more that you encounter it, it's not that you get dead inside. It's just that it doesn't continue to elicit the same response. Like you don't keep laughing at the same joke over and over and over mm. again, unless you're me and bad jokes are always hilarious. Uh, and, and so like, as he's giving those examples of, you know, like you're desensitized because of just like watching, you know, movies and and TV and YouTube with all this violence or, you know, like when your uh, father and uncles beat you in the barn repeatedly. And, uh, yeah, Yeah, he says we stop reacting when we're abused by, by our dads or uncles out in a barn, for example. Right. (laughs) And, And it's just like, oh shit, that like completely recontextualizes us in a different way. And it's like. You get the sit like it, it, it's such a great way of like telling you everything you need to know about this character without explicitly like going into the details. Like you know everything about it and why he's just like amazed by how big this barn is because there's space for you to like it's not a place you can necessarily hide away in the same kind of way, you know, like it's yeah. um and then um that also reminds me <laughs> what is it that um during that scene when he's talking to Matilda, he like writes down that she's afraid of being chubby. Right. Like, she said, <laughs> yeah, she says uh, that, uh, when, when she was, well, she was talking about when she was younger and she wasn't big or, you know, yeah, when she, she wasn't big. She was yeah, big. She just right. wasn't tall or however it is. And he's like, oh, and he writes down the word chubby. And yeah. then, 
Oh gosh, so funny! Such yeah, a good movie. This, this movie is great. Um, there is a lot that I want to talk about. One of the things that I want us to focus on, though, because I, I have a feeling that we're not going to address everything just because I feel like we're going to start getting a little jumbled and lose track of some of the minor points. Um, but one of the main things that I want us to focus on is just the the overarching theme of of coincidence versus um, not fate. Fate's not the word that I'm looking for, but... Uh, I mean, that basically explains it. Uh, so like coincidences versus fate and the role of logic and faith. And there's two separate mm-hmm. things. And I want to talk about both of them individually, but I want to start with the, the coincidences versus fate or the, the coincidences versus there's a word that I, I just can't think of right now that better explains um, what I'm trying to get at, but it introduces you to this when uh, Otto and Leonard are giving their presentation um, about how their computer, like, you know, was able to pull in all of this data and, like, they were able to, with, you know, st- statistical significance, find that lower class people bought um, whatever, like Hondas, and then middle class were buying, you know, like Toyotas and, um, and, and Volkswagens, and then upper class were buying, um, whatever um expensive cars that i can't think of right now and and so like they're going through this and they're talking about like here's all this data that supports this and then the business people that they're presenting it to are like all right wait so all of this data is telling us that poor people buy cheaper cars and rich people (laughs) buy more expensive cars and he's like yes but it's not about that and and then when uh leonard is trying to give the other example of the the uh, correlation between uh what was it between hearing loss and uh it doesn't matter but between uh two unrelated diseases and he was trying to give all this context and you know like why they were looking into it and and how he had this relative that there was this relationship between them between the two illnesses that the person had and like they ran all of this uh through their computers and the business people are like so is there a connection between them and he's like no of course not <laughs> and so it, it starts things off with here's all of this data that can feed into this computer and um and eric i don't remember if you were talking about this before or after we started recording but how like there's just an infinite number of uh, of possibilities that can lead us to this very moment uh oh it was after we started recording right because yeah. it was uh part of that yeah. bit that we were doing. um yeah, so like there's an, just an infinite number of factors leading to this very moment and any tiny variation could have resulted in something else. And and you have the su- uh, supercomputer trying to pull all of it together to arrive at something that is just like so commonsensical. And mm-hmm. that to me, that sets up the movie so well with that relationship of everything is connected but it doesn't fucking matter. And and like if you try to chase down yeah. every single one of those rabbit holes, yeah, you're going to go crazy trying to understand how all of these things are connected <laughs> when it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you're you're so focused on the connection that you stop living life, that you stop having those real human connections. Yeah. And and again, it's just a great way to start the movie. Uh and it also ties into the other Mads films that we talked about but we can come back to those in a little bit after we talk about the actual 
movie that we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, I mean, like, this movie is essentially about the butterfly effect, but in, like, a non-time travel-y kind of way. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it deals a lot with, you know, with probability versus certainty, mm-hmm. um, correlation and causation, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that I like the most about it when it deals with that is just, uh, you, you kind of just alluded to it, Nathan, is uh, how how destructive confirmation bias can be. Yep. Yeah. Because once you start, once they start to see, once they start to see the data, that it could lead in this direction. Well, it has to be that. Then. You know, yeah. even, even though Emma is always like, it's you know, it's off by like five points. You know, it's like yeah, it was, it was ninety five percent rather than like ninety seven point two percent in terms of the yeah. the the, uh, the biological matching, whatever. Yeah, but it just it, it just does such a great job because it's one of the things like whenever you take a science course, it's like you know you have to let the data speak for itself. Mm-hmm. You can't put yourself into it whatsoever because once you do, you're going to affect the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And this, like, I feel like this, if I had shown this to like my high school science teacher, he would have been like, this is what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> Look how many lives are absolutely destroyed and shattered because they were going for the result they wanted, not the result the data was giving them. Right. To be fair, yeah. though, that <clears throat> also ties in with that commonsensical, a biker gang is doing bad things. So, of course, yeah. the biker gang is doing bad things. And, and like, yeah, even though uh, Mads and his crew were chasing down the Riders of Justice, wrongfully in the sense that it was just an accident that caused the train wreck Mm. the Mm. fact that they were chasing down these bad people you know like it felt very boondock saints in in the sense that like I mean yeah maybe they're doing the wrong thing but are they? Mm. They're also taking out some pretty terrible people. But I also loved their reasoning for why it had to have been that guys because like look he doesn't eat that sandwich yeah, like <laughs> he throws away a sandwich and a full drink. No one does that because do you know how much money this costs? <laughs> yeah, and when when you finally get the reveal that no, because again, it was like okay, yeah, it could either be this biker gang who is known for criminal activity trying to do this for a very solid reason, or it's this guy from like what was he from Iraq, Iran, somewhere in the middle Egypt, of I think, who has no reason to be here. And when yeah. you learn the truth that, like, no, the guy was, it was that guy, and the sandwich sucked. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> it's just a brilliant way to... Returning to his children, you know, to tell yeah. this this story, it's like, that's so good. <laughs> it was so good. Especially because it's I a- was on board with the explanation. Like, I was on board <laughs> with uh, the, yeah. yeah, that was like 15 bucks. Who spends 15 bucks just to throw it away? And get off right before the train wrecks and look exactly like the brother who is the, the, the younger brother of the leader of the gang that the guy who always sat in the same seat was about to testify. Like, it made sense. Of course it, made it makes sense. sense. They're like, yeah, it should be statistically impossible, but there was a margin of error here that, <laughs> you know, we just assumed was negligible and it turned out it wasn't. And Well, I it think was negligible to everyone, but... It- yeah, he was like, "Yo, yeah. this fucking matters." I yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I love. 
I mean, he, he was idea. right all along. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen a revenge film do this kind of story in this way because you you look at all these revenge films and they're so often they'll do this thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to kill however many people I have to to get to the person. And they always justify it with like, well, they're bad people. Like, you know, these mm-hmm. are bad people. It doesn't matter if they, you know, are directly responsible for what happened. They're still bad people and I'm still, you know, doing what, you know, I should do. I shouldn't feel that bad about it. And right. I love that whenever the shoe drops and Mads realizes that, like, no, these people aren't actually responsible for his wife's death, he, like, gets violently ill. Even though he is a kill, like, he is a killer. He's was in the military. Literally came from a war zone. Literally, yeah. He, he murders people incredibly efficiently. But <laughs> it's still, like, knowing that he was doing this for no reason, like, it took the purpose out of it for him. And it shows you just how pointless this shit is like just how pointless this revenge is you were doing this for no reason and and it kind of makes you question like even if he was doing this for his wife does it really like what does that matter like why should that matter because at the end of the day you're not getting that kind of closure you know that's the typical point that they make in a revenge film like no this doesn't bring your wife back you're still gonna have to live with your your choices but in this movie it does it in a way where it like forces not only the characters to confront your like how you feel about it, but also like we as the audience, because we were all on board at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I just think that's so it, it's so smart. And it's just, I've never like again, never in a million years could I have imagined like this type of scenario playing out in a revenge film. And it's really just it's brilliant. I mean Well and and one of the things that's so great about that scene is um related to that other main point, um that, that we're going to bring up a, a number of times as we bounce around in this chat, but the role of faith versus logic, you know, um, mm. when, when the mom dies and, um, and is it Matilda or Matilda? I can't actually remember if they'd emphasize the, uh, at the end, but when the I daughter, always thought it was Matilda, that's, that's what I thought. But sometimes it sounded like they were just saying it's Matilda. spelled with, it's spelled with like an H and an E it's M A T H I L D E. Right. So uh, I, when when the mom dies and and matilda is like you know we need help we need counseling because i need someone to help me work through this and you are a cold-hearted close off closed off bastard and and she like wants to find a reason to why this happened and uh, and and she's just looking at to anything like she wants counseling but but uh, her dad won't let her get counseling because he's so closed off and so like then she starts thinking through what were all of the chains of events that could have led to this and so mm-hmm. like she has the the little sticky notes on her wall trying to find mm-hmm. a logical reason for why this could have happened and and then she's trying to find some sort of answers in in faith and like when she's talking about uh, her her grandpa I think and um and mads was just like nope that's not gonna get me get you anywhere your your mom didn't go anywhere she's not alone she's just dead she's gone and and so like she's trying to find anything to give her hope and to give her some sort of solace in how this terrible event could have happened Mm -hmm. and and you see in her struggle you see the outcome with mads when he realizes They're on the same journey. Like he's doing the exact same thing she is. And part of the reason why he's so upset when he realizes that, that they didn't kill her is it's like, Oh no, I like, that was his way of keeping his wife alive in his mind in some way. Like as long as he still had a 
reason to fight for her. When that reason is gone, he finally is forced to actually accept that she's gone. Even though that's what he's been trying to get Matilda to do the entire time, he then finally realizes, like, oh, I've been doing the exact same thing. Yeah, and so, like, I don't think that it was necessarily, like, guilt out of, uh, oh, no, I've been killing all these people. Because, again, they were terrible people. Um, But but I think it was that realization (laughs) that everything that he was doing was so futile like it, it wasn't trying to bring a conclusion to the the logical start it wasn't right. giving some sort of you know like spiritual awakening it mm. was all just pointless and and, and yeah and also it's, him taking, it's, that it's way. taking his mind off of it's taking him away from the only thing he has left from his daughter who needs him more than ever yeah you know he is he is neglecting her over this over this pointless pursuit and uh yeah, that was, that was it. Yeah. Um, a, another little character piece that uh, that I want to mention, in part because I think that Emma Thaler was just one of the greatest. Um, I love that for the first, I don't know, half of the movie, like he wants revenge because, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that he was picked on as a kid, that he was bullied a lot. And so, you know, like he wants the bullies to get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And and so he's like, yeah, fine, we'll help you as long as you give us, uh, you know, extensive weapons training that you've promised us. And so, <laughs> so like, he's uh, yeah. so on board. He is ready to be a badass. Uh, he like there- he like takes the gun apart and puts it back together like super quick, and even <laughs> to the point where even Mads is impressed. He's like, huh, wow, do that again. <laughs> We're gonna come back to check off this is simple shotgun in like two seconds. Um, but like when they're going to, to do that hit in the crossfire and like, he is the, you know, like running with the assault rifle and he is on board with it. And then as that other guy's crawling away and he has the gun and like, he just can't bring himself to do it. It wasn't just a, Oh no, I froze in the moment, but don't worry. I'll be there next time, which is what you typically get in those kinds of movies of like, Oh, I can't mm-hmm. believe that, that I let you down. Don't worry. I'm not going to let you down again. Yeah. It was I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I, mm-hmm. I can't, I cannot do this. And, and again, this movie is so smartly written and all of the setups and payoffs <clears throat> at the end, when the rest of uh, the, the crew is going out and, um, and shooting all of the writers of justice and saving everyone. Emmenthaler doesn't have a gun. And so he yeah. follows through with the, he doesn't want to do it. But also, you get the, again, Chekhov's disassembled shotgun, where all of those disassembled guns, he was the one that brought it all together. And, and again, like such, such great visual storytelling to bring together these themes of how all of the people are broken, and each of them has their own role to bring them all together. And, and Imthaler, you know, being able to piece everything together really quick, that was his role and he shouldn't have been one of the other ones trying to do this other piece. And, and, and again, it just shows a lot more of that family cohesion, which is mm. at the heart of the story and why I loved it so damn much beginning to end. It was just, yeah. it, it was a family comedy drama that centered around a lot of killing. Yeah. It's great. Like it's, it, it kind of gets into the, the whole idea about how like the, uh, you know, the the butterfly effect caused this really horrible thing to happen and caused us to make all of these really poor decisions. But also, like, if it weren't for all of these crazy things that caused this horrible thing to happen, then we would not have been brought together in this way. So it's kind of looking at, like, it's like, yeah, sometimes all of these decisions 
coalesce into like a horrible accident, but it's also the reason why we have all of these things that matter to us and we should cherish them while we have them because we never know what these consequences are going to take. I mean, it's it's pretty like in the end it is like <laughs> fairly basic stuff, but it's done with such like immense depth and feeling that it's just it's really it's really wonderful and it feels so it's it's a way of like getting you to look at these very universal themes in a different way than you usually do. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of things, you know, like fate and coincidence and all that other stuff. <clears throat> I am assuming that this was just kind of eh, whatever a decision. However, y'all know me. You know that I like to overanalyze. I'm really, really, really hoping that the red versus blue bicycle was like an intentional uh, red pill versus blue pill, you know, like how one small decision can drastically change your path. I, I, uh-huh. I hope. I don't think so. I don't think that's actually what was going on, but again, in it's, my funny, mind, it's fun. Thesis could be made on it, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I don't know if it's deliberately a red pill versus blue pill thing, but I mean, like, even in that opening scene, whenever. Oh, I'm, I'm talking very specifically about the fact that the bicycles were red and blue. And how right. the girl didn't want the red bicycle. She wanted the blue bicycle, which is was Matilda's bicycle that got stolen. I was just talking <laughs> about, you know, the, the Matrix connection of how one tiny decision can set everything in motion. That's fair. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, too, that like at one point, even Matilda talks about how like she whenever she's talking to Otto about where he's kind of explaining, like, he's like, yeah, I see what you're doing here with all your sticky notes. You know that like, this will never make any sense. This is a waste of time. And she's just like, yeah, I know. Like, you know, I dream of catching this guy who stole my bike. I know it's not his fault, but it's just easier when there's someone to get mad at. Yeah. And like, I love that. Yeah. Just, I just love that. Like she, like is basically going on her own mini version of what Mads is going through, but she is smart enough to realize up front, like I'm just play acting, you know, like I'm just going through this because it makes me feel a little bit better. And, and I also like that it was like the pettiest of petty crimes, <laughs> right? I, yeah. That's the horrific events in motion. Mm-hmm. Like so many people die because of a simple bicycle theft. Right. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that, you know, yeah, your your choices matter. Is this matter. actually a remake of Bicycle Thieves? Is that what we're <laughs> it's just the bicycle, bicycle Thieves is like <laughs> setting off. It would it's, make it's a great in the background. It really would. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great idea. That's the recommendation right there, Nathan. Bicycle Thieves. I've not seen it. Um <laughs> So, or the bicycle thief. I, I never. Is it both ways? I feel like I've seen it both ways. Bicycle thieves or the bicycle thief. Well, damn remember. foreign films in there. <laughs> <laughs> which is it? Oh no, Eric? it's bicycle thief. Do what? Said so which is it? It's bicycle thieves. I had it right the first time. I second guessed myself. From from nineteen forty eight. But in the United. Oh no, I'm sorry. In uh, Italy, it's bicycle thieves. In the United States, it is the bicycle thief. So yeah. Both were well, since we're doing a foreign language film, I'm going to go with the foreign title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I actually question yes. if Writers of Justice was the original title in uh, Danish, and it is. That, that is actually what, 
what that so means. bizarre. I l- literally used the translation because I was like, that sounds like the American version where we have to dumb it down to make it sound cool to American audiences. And I thought maybe it would have like some kind of cooler title in a different language. But uh, I mean, the title still works. Don't get me wrong. Writers of Justice is a great title for so many reasons. Oh, it's a great title. Don't get me wrong. But I just was expecting it to be different. All right. So here's all the reasons why Writers of Justice is a great title for this movie. For one, um, writing for one. Yes. For one. Jesus Christ. I got (laughs) (laughs) for one. <laughs> it's about bicycles. For one, you ride a bicycle. So much of this movie is actually centered around transportation. So mm. the bicycle is stolen, the train is is wrecked, the um, car is broken down because uh yeah, so like there's yeah, a lot of things revolving train. around the the transportation. For two, the fact that the gang is called Riders of Justice, but as you're watching it, you think, no, Mads and his crew, like, they are riding for justice because they're bringing justice into the world. Oh, no, the third reason. The third reason why I think that the title is just beautiful and, and I love it so much. It sounds like a shitty, like, late 70s, early 80s, like, action genre horror type of uh, type of flick so much so that like the the image that is i forget if it's on imdb or or letterboxd where it has mads and then behind him a bicycle gang with explosions happening behind them that is never in the movie the bicycle gang (laughs) the the fact that the gang is a quote-unquote biker gang but they're never on motorcycles. Like no, they're, they're, they like they keep public transit. They keep referring to them as a biker gang. They mention that they have like a clubhouse or whatever. And I'm like, at no point do any of these people ever have motorcycles or anything. Like what the? F- yeah, and at no point do you get that awesome scene in the background of one of the the promo stills of just Mads with with motorcycles and explosions and. Ah, I just love it. I love that so much. The fact that the uh, the title and the cover are not yeah. what this movie is at. There's also all. not even like there's not much action in the movie at all. Like again, I was expecting this to be like, oh, this is Mads doing his John Wick thing, his elderly action star thing. He's going to be kicking ass and murdering people left and right, and it's going to be badass. And like he gets into like two, maybe three shootouts. One of them is not really much of a shootout. He just kind of like kills them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. This, this is not like, you know, taken uh, where it, it's not him right. like, hunting down with, he has the prejudice. set of skills, but he's not like, yeah, I mean, he's actually mostly reactive. Yeah. There's only the one scene where he shows up with Emmenthaler when Emmenthaler freezes, where he's actually like trying to kill someone deliberately in that moment. Yeah. And uh, man, speaking of shootouts, and that's the moment that creates the the horrible thing that happens at the end. Speaking of shootouts and the horrible thing that happened at the oh wait end, no no they do go they no I forgot they confront the brother and then he like breaks his neck because yeah but that wasn't a shootout that was him reacting it, yeah. and it was reactive that's true yeah so speaking of uh, shootouts and the horrible thing that happens at the end and we kind of already mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier that all of us thought that it was going to have a darker ending. So, so, so many movies when you have that kind of shootout where it's people in a house and then a gang just, you know, randomly shooting into the house. 
everyone's just fine. You know, like the vast majority of movies that I've seen like that, uh, unless it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they're just fine. You know, they hide behind a table. They're fine. Of course, the hero's not going to get shot in the leg. But in this, like, what, three out of the five of them or like four of them all get shot real quick. And it's like, oh, oh, shit. I think they, they all they get shot, don't gonna... they? Is, is, does Leonard get shot? I think um, he might be the only one of them gets shot remember. in the shoulder, I think. Um, Mads gets shot in the leg and in the stomach a couple in the of times. Side, yeah, in the side. Um, they kidnap Matilda. Gets Matilda. Shot in the shoulder. Uh, Matilda's boyfriend has his fingers broken, which, oh, very yeah. quick side note, oh. I think that Amherst, that Amherst Thomas good. Jensen has a real thing against people interrupting him. <laughs> not only because of this movie but also because of men and chicken interesting uh, <laughs> man i love the boyfriend character we have to talk about him for a minute in a, in sure. a minute but like the boyfriend character is really fun because he's so like supportive to the point that he's standing up against fucking mads mickelson like the scene where he mentions to mads that his mom is a psychologist when mads turns and glares at him like i practically was murdered by that like i almost died <laughs> in that moment i can't imagine but like it's so great and it's like his first his first interaction with a mad slaps a child across the face <laughs> it's so he's like it's really funny too because like when he finds out it's her boyfriend it's not like well good blah 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 you shouldn't be dating like the typical like dipshit uber masculine stuff that like southern dudes around here do it's like oh i'm sorry i didn't realize he was your boyfriend i wouldn't have slapped him if i <laughs> like he's like more apologetic about it man i i oh god that's one of the, the other things that gives I'm sorry. so much complexity to mads the entire time is like he is very clearly emotionally closed off and uh, and and the way that this movie shows how much he drinks without it emphasizing like how much he drinks like again this yeah this movie is just done so well with those little details um you know like you, you don't have the scene of them cleaning up like 30 liquor bottles and like really emphasizing you were so drunk it was just kind of like yeah he's just always sitting there with a beer and a cigarette uh and then like in the background you see like three or four other cans and it's just like oh yeah no he's just been drinking all day um but the fact that like he is so emotionally closed off and the things that he says to Matilda uh, are very just like, how can you say that to your daughter? How can you tell her, oh, no, your mother's not alone. She's just dead. She's gone. Like, it's it's so jarring to, yeah. to seem like he doesn't care about anything whatsoever. But at the same time, he's quasi respectful throughout the entire thing. You know, like when he yeah. slapped the boyfriend and he was just like, Sorry, I wouldn't have hit him so hard. And then when he's like, let's invite him over to dinner. And yeah, sure, he has that he little bit of He seems to be like outburst. pretty well aware of like the fact that he's kind of broken and emotionally closed off. Right. And like doesn't, you know, he he's very blunt, but he's also just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. He he doesn't seem like he's a dick or anything. He's right. Just, yeah, like when he apologizes and like, sorry, I slapped you. He's not like, but you deserved it. And and it's not mm. like the oh well it, you know if you're going to be courting my daughter like it's just very sorry I slapped you and and mm. that's it and and they move it's and, 
I just I love the complexity of these characters. It's great. He's great. And also we talk about how great he is at face acting. I don't think anybody has ever like nobody expresses bewilderment better than Matt's. Like when he is in the room with all of these dudes and they're talking about the sciencey stuff and they're like getting pissed off because of how low the resolution is on the monitors and stuff like He's just like, it'll just like cut to a shot of Mads and he's just kind of looking around like, what the f*** am I getting myself into here? <laughs> like, he never breaks composure, but you can just see in his eyes that he's like, I don't know if I should be like, I don't know what's going on, but I don't know. It's just, it's an incredible, incredible performance, how he's so emotionally distant, but also, you know, exactly how he feels at every given moment of the movie speaking of his incredible face acting and seeing into his eyes we've mentioned this a couple of times over the last few episodes mads i think is one of the most diverse and well-rounded actors Mm. ever it is just ridiculous how any movie that he's in Admittedly, I still haven't seen that many of his movies, but even just like the small sampling that I've seen of him, none of his movies feel out of character. So like in Arctic, where it's just, you know, a survival movie and he's barely talking, you get like so much about his character from so, so, so very little. And, and you know, then when he's trying to uh, care for this other person who crashed, again, he, he barely even says anything to her. But you know, it's like, yes, this is a good, caring person. I don't need a backstory on him mm-hmm. because the backstory is what he's giving me with his face acting. And and it's incredible. And then you yeah. get him. He just in, really knows how to play to the camera. Like, he knows that he's got a so face that good. was made to be filmed. And he knows how to flex that muscle beautifully. Yeah, it is. I, I am just in constant awe of how well he's able to transition between each of his roles. And again, we've mentioned this. But how much of a shame it is that so many American movies just keep typecasting him into scary European villain. Because, sure, he can play that role great. But, oh, my God, he's so much more than that. And, yeah, uh, we need. Yeah, I really want to see him him. in just like I want to see him in just like a romantic comedy, like or a musical. Like we talked about that before, but like a musical or a romantic comedy, like I just want to see him being a fun person and having a good time. Like even in even in movies like Riders of Justice, which is like hysterically funny through most of it, it's still like Mads Mikkelsen has to murder people. <laughs> like he still he has to lose his wife and like uh become estranged from his daughter and go through all this shit or in another round he has to almost lose his family and and you know, in all these movies he still has to go through something like horrible even if there are funny things happening around him like in this movie it's he's funny because of how serious he is and how like out of place he feels in around all of these other people men and Um, chicken is like a romantic comedy what is oh men and chicken i still i've only i watched like the first dan after you left yesterday um Nathan, I started just playing Men and Chicken. I don't even remember why, but I started playing it so Nathan could just watch my face for the first 15 minutes of it. Uh, So I've seen the first like 15 minutes of the movie. And let me tell you, it is super awkward watching Eric watch the uh, second scene of Men and Chicken. It wasn't really that awkward. I was having a good time. I don't know about you, Nathan. I I was I was fine. (laughs) I was good. Uh, Hey, so uh, let's talk a little bit about how this movie 
tie in <clears throat> thematically with the other films that we've been uh, talking about. And, and again, we've already been addressing those themes. So there's, you know, we already have a lot of that connective tissue in place. But let's start actually bringing that all together with uh, the door, how his, his daughter died and just one bonehead decision set everything in motion and he lost his daughter and his wife and his family and his life was ruined and he had a second chance and how he had to kill that part of himself to to um he had to kill that part of himself to be a better person and to make better decisions and to really focus on his family and then in another round he also was losing his wife and his family and was losing himself and he was trying to uh it was a it was a there was a wish fulfillment aspect to another round yeah that you're also kind of getting in the door yeah a, a little bit more of if i could go back and do things differently where in the door he literally went back in time to do things differently in um in, in another round it was more of the what if i recapture that sense of spontaneity and recapture that hope and recapture that optimism and then in writers of justice he also loses his wife and in the process is losing his daughter as she is drifting further and further away from him and he doesn't really have it's weird like it fits in so thematically well but not quite as perfectly like oh yes and then he finds himself but then he does go on that journey. He is, you know, riding for justice of his soul. <laughs> and how even though the movie starts so tragically and even though it seems like he's cold hearted, how much he very clearly loved his wife. The fact that the ending of this movie with that family being more together it was such a happy, optimistic ending mm-hmm. where you see that he has grown as a person and, and able to, to find that connection in a way to, you know, again, recapture that, that family and togetherness. Mm-hmm. And it is ridiculous how much all of these movies tied in together as well as they did, especially yeah. with the writers of justice theme of fate coincidences one decision makes a difference but does it or is it all just coincidence but is the coincidence really fate and again the way that all of these things tie in together it's just surprising how how heartwarming these movies are despite like how heavy (laughs) the themes are like again that you're talking about writers of justice a movie that ends with them all hanging out wearing christmas sweaters opening gifts you know like it's so it's just so crazy that that is how that movie ends because like I just love that it is ultimately just a movie about a bunch of people supporting each other. Like it's basically like all of the guys who are trying to find justice or whatever, what they don't realize is they're basically just coming together to have an intervention with Matt (laughs) for his, for his, uh, his, um, his revenge problem essentially. And, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just so fascinating. It's so heartwarming to see movies that are basically just about people like, Hey, you know what? Things are really shitty right now, but we're going to be here for you. And we just need to talk about it. And everything is going to be okay. As long as we talk about these things and that we just do the best that we can with the circumstances that are thrust upon us. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I love how simple that is and how, how beautiful and elegantly done it's, it's, it is like, I, uh, 
I was surprised by how hopeful I felt at the end of all of these movies, really. Even The Door, which, you know, has a pretty... All these movies have a have endings that are kind of predicated on really tragic things, but still have such optimism for the future. They're so life-affirming. Well, they all have the theme of your choices matter, but your choices continue to matter. So like they all have that, uh, that sort of starting point of one bad decision can send things spiraling into just the worst timeline. But also you can get out of that through your decisions. You know, like Mm -hmm. it, it takes work and like in the door, you have to sometimes kill off a part of yourself, but your decisions continue to matter. So you can continue to make those same bad decisions to make things worse and worse and worse and say like, Oh, well it's not my fault. It was this thing that happened. It's not my fault. It was this other person's decision. You could very easily do that or you can start taking responsibility for it and you can start saying this decision led down this path. So now I have another choice of staying on this path or trying to make things better. And and I think that that's where so much of the optimism of these movies comes in is the fact that again, I've said it like 20 times in the last two minutes, the choices continue to matter. And, and like when uh, Otto was talking about how you can't trace back everything because you're just going to lose your mind trying to understand how everything fits together, mm-hmm. but there's that infinite number of possibilities. All that you can do is mm-hmm. take what you know now and try to make a difference. And, and yeah. that's where these movies give so much hope, even when they get dark. Uh, yeah, and, and at, like at the end of each of the movies, the, the characters choose not to give in to despair. Right. As yeah. easy as it would be to do that. Yeah, and oh man, let's talk about that for a little bit. The ending of all three of these movies, as dark as they get right before the ending. So the door, you know, you have the entire town trying to kill Mads and his wife and daughter. And it ends with Mads and his original wife accepting the fact that they've lost their daughter and trying to reconnect. And even though I, I, I still don't know exactly how I feel about the ending, I do think that it is so heartwarming for them to just hold hands. You know, not to say anything. Yeah. It's such a great choice to just end with them holding hands. And doesn't the camera pan back up at the end? I, I can't remember. It pans up to the butterfly, I think. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it it, it ends the butterfly, with which the... then flaps its wings and causes somebody to steal a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> to get drunk and steal a bicycle. So yeah, like the the door ends with them holding hands, and it's so simple, but it it's so hopeful. And um, mm. and then another round, right before the end. He fucking dances, Nathan. He well, dances. Right before the end, his friend dies, and then it ends with him dancing. Yeah. Riders of Justice has a shootout where you expect everyone that you've been so invested in for the last <laughs> 90 minutes to die. And then it ends with and just a heartwarming Christmas scene. They, they don't die because they hold each other up. They protect, they, they, they support one another. They all pick up guns except for Amethaler and murder the shit out of all those people. Look, 
I wasn't trying to emphasize the violence because violence is not the answer. I was trying to emphasize the goodness of the Christmas Uh scene. It is good. It's love, man. The French horn is such a, is such a lovely way to end. And then it, it also ends with, okay. I was thinking about this. So the movie is bookended with kind of like the, uh, it's like, is it like a priest or something? It's like a priest trying to buy a girl. It, it was his granddaughter, not just a girl. It I mean, sounds it's, so yeah. much more sketchy the way that you said it. Like I guess it, has this, it has this old priest <laughs> trying to buy this girl a bicycle. That's, uh, yeah, no. It's like a grandfather and granddaughter like walking home from mass. And and like he looks like a very he, he looks like a very spindly Santa Claus, you know, like he's got this really long white beard um and 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 yeah it it starts with them a grandfather and daughter not some old dude and a girl okay yeah fair i appreciate the clarification um but yeah she says she come on man of course it's a sweet thing (laughs) (laughs) it's the old man from home alone and yep some girl he's found on the street nope um but no, yeah, she wants. She, there's a bicycle there, and she's like, "Oh, I don't, I'd rather have a blue one. I don't want the red one." And they're like, "Cool." Someone steals the blue one, and the movie ends with her getting this bike on Christmas. And the thing that I was, I thought was kind of odd was like, <laughs> she rides the bike around in the snow during the like closing credits of the movie. But she literally rides out into the street and then just drives around in a circle for like five minutes <laughs> while the credits roll. <laughs> And I'm just like, you just got the bike just to drive in a circle. Like you're only making left hand, like just a left hand <laughs> turn circle for five minutes straight in the cold. I, I mean, really funny. to be fair, don't you remember when you were a kid and like your parents wouldn't let you like ride away. And so all that you could do was just like ride in circles in your driveway. No, that- I would just ride up and down the driveway, not <laughs> in a circle. No. <laughs> It's about the circle of life. That's the, it's a, it's another, it just ties it all back together. That's what it is. Sure. Yep. Time is a flat circle. It'll Time all is a flat happen circle. again. Yeah. yeah. And, and the more that she was on that path, the more that you started to see, uh, the, the path that she was creating. I, I think there were some thematic elements. Also, I don't think that it meant anything. It just looked pretty. Oh, I mean, I'm, I think there's, it probably meant something. I didn't really take much time to think about it, but I just, I just thought it was funny because she's just she rides in a circle for a very long time. Uh, so here's what I thought at that ending: she must be fucking cold because yeah, that's the thing. She did not she put on a coat no jacket, and it was snowing. Yeah, it's beautiful though. Oh yeah, it's great. It's beautiful end of a movie. Oh man. Speaking of the end of yep. things, are are we at the end of the episode? This feels weird. I feel like there's so much more that we need to be talking about, but I also kind of feel like we've touched on all the major points. No, I think, I think we're good. Uh, I mean, I think the only thing we forgot to mention is that Otto looks like the Danish Jason Bateman, but with like a (laughs) big beard. Oh my God. Every single Uh, one of them. I kept thinking this person looks exactly like, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Like so much so that I was like, I know that I've seen these guys in other movies. And uh, yeah. aside from Mads Mikkelsen and Nicholas Bro, which God, I love his name, uh, and only them because of uh, Men and Chicken, I was like, I've never. No, they're seen all in this. Men and Chicken, are they? Yeah. Oh yeah, 
Leonard's in Men and Chicken too. Who's Leonard in Men and Chicken? I think he's one of the brothers, right? I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but like I thought he was one of the brothers. Nicolas Le Cos, I guess. I'll look that up uh, later. Anywho, they they all looked like other people outside he plays of Gregor. What? In Men and Chicken. What? Yep. And uh, what's his name was in both this and Green Butchers and Flickering Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like all these guys are in all of the. That's um, all the Anders Thomas Thomas Jensen hurts my brain a little bit uh, <laughs> to think of Leonard as a Gregor. Um, <laughs> uh, it's because it's they like wear, they've got like very distinct looks in all of these movies. Like they've got all the prosthetics and stuff on in Men and Chicken. In this movie, they like put all the weird facial hair and stuff on him and stuff. Mads just shaves all his hair off except for around his chin. <laughs> That's one thing that uh, I mean. I think that's hmm. such an underrated aspect of filmmaking is like in all of these movies, he does a very good job of making them all look very, very different. Like there is a there's an iconography to these characters where you will recognize them immediately as soon as you see them and know exactly what movie they are from. Yeah, I was talking about how each of the actual actors reminded me of other people, but that doesn't matter. What does gotcha. matter in relation to the acting? I thought the acting was solid throughout. Uh, there was no one in this movie that I thought gave a weak performance. No, some performances no all that, of the performances no. are just astounding. They're all none astounding. of these guys ever give weak performances. They give it like everything they have in all of these films. Well, but they like, commit even, to whatever the side characters, characters they're supposed to be. Even the side characters, like, um, uh, like even. Oh, I don't remember his name, but the uh, I don't remember who he was from either. Uh, the the guy that they found in the gangster's brother's house that then they oh, say the table guy say what the table guy he was the table, the table. sure so, he was the table. um like e- even him like he doesn't have that much to do in the movie but like, <clears throat> he, he brings a lot. And and that's the other he tells thing. That, is, he tells that uh, Ukrainian tale about the, the oh bear in the ring. <laughs> how did how did I forget about that? Because once again, <laughs> so it fits in so perfectly with all of these themes of of fate and coincidence and chance and ah yeah the the story of um I don't remember all of it. And so the short version is there was a princess and she went out to hunt and she saw a bear and the bear ate her finger and uh, like on her finger was a ring. And then 10 years later, she was in the exact same place under the exact same conditions, like the first moon of uh, after spring, the first full moon uh, after the first day of spring and in the exact same location, she sees a bear and she shoots it and they open it up. And there's nothing inside and that's yeah. and that, that was the end of the story and they're just kind of like oh, <laughs> they're like that was okay. a stupid <laughs> yeah, like what's the point of that and and yes but also the way that it brings in that other side of sometimes things just happen and there is no logic there's nothing leading up to it it's not fate it's not any sort of spirituality it's just mm-hmm. 
Yeah, here was a thing. There was a bear. And then later there was another bear and there wasn't a ring because of course there wasn't a ring because 10 years later it would have pooped it out. Yeah. But, but again, like just yeah. it's such a stupid story that gives so much to this movie. I, I love it too. Love it. Like this is the kind of thing that I feel like people I or at least I kind of wrestle with on a daily basis, especially when you live in an area that is predominantly Christian where everyone's like, yeah, everything that happens has a reason, you know, God has a plan mm-hmm. for you. And as a person who is a Christian, maybe I'm not super religious or anything. I don't really go to church very much any well, I haven't, you know, two years. Um, <laughs> Pandemic effects. I don't remember why I stopped. Uh, <clears throat> but like, it's the kind of thing that I struggle with because it's like, there's a part of me that is like, you know, I want to feel that way, but I also recognize in a lot of cases, it's really just people telling themselves whatever they need to, to make themselves feel better about a situation. And I think that's a valid response. Like I I don't blame anybody for feeling that way, but there are also times where people will, will try to, you know, ascribe some kind of meaning to something that is probably meaningless and I, I always go back and forth between whether or not like I admire these people or I pity them in some way because it's like, I mean, if it makes you feel better, then by all means go for it. But there are times where it's like, sometimes I wish I could be ign- like that ignorant of things. Like <laughs> I wish that I could just find solace in a given situation and just be like, oh, that happened that way because that's just how it was always going to happen. I, I mean, there are like entire professions that deal with studying, uh, you know, free will versus chance versus right. you know spirituality like that, and i mean yeah not it kind of gets into that, that thing easily where, like, answered but the typical response to like christianity is like if god is a loving god why does he allow bad things to happen to people and it's like well because humans have free will and that is the consequence of having free will is that humans can do whatever they want and you know we i don't know like it's it's a much deeper conversation but i do like that this movie like really gets into that and some in some fascinating ways and it and it does kind of point out like yeah it all this shit is just you're never going to understand why any of this happens so just again just live in the moment and just appreciate what you have and not really like i guess if it if it makes you feel better you can give meaning to it but the meaning is just in what you have in whatever the moment is well, sorry and, I'm and sometimes sometimes i take the um <clears throat> everything happens for a reason as a different take on find the silver lining in a bad situation, you know, because much like in writers of justice, it's so easy to get yourself into that downward spiral of this bad thing happened. Why? And just like focusing on all of the regret and all of the guilt of if I had done this other thing different or, you know, is it all meaningless? Does, does nothing matter? Like it's so easy to get into that depressive Mm -hmm. cycle. But if you have the, all right, I don't know why this thing was terrible, but everything happens for a reason. There must be some good to come out of it. You tend to focus a little bit more on what is that good. And so you're looking yeah. for the good and you know, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, the old analogy of, or not analogy, but um, there's an old lesson saying, whatever <clears throat> you walk where you're looking or like in baseball, you know, you, you hit where you're looking. And so if you are looking to the past, then you're going to start just going in circles mm-hmm. because you're only looking behind you. 
Whereas if you can look ahead, if you can try to find some hope to keep you going, it's a whole lot easier to stay on that path. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that a lot of times people do kind of use the, well, everything happens for a reason as a way to abdicate any sort of responsibility and, and yes. be like, oh, well, Good. It's, it's not my fault this happened. It happened for a reason. Obviously, the orange menace, like that, that happens for a reason. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's the, like the, the you know, whenever that you have <laughs> people are terrible politicians who say like, "Oh yeah, well I know that's horrible that there's a school shooting there, but you know, can't do anything about it because you know this is the consequence of living in a country where you have guns. Just get more guns to protect yourself." Yeah, or like it's God's <laughs> will. It's out of my hands. Political. That's <laughs> that's fine. Uh, or or yeah, like when people are like, it's, "It's not my fault. It's in God's hands," as a way to abdicate responsibility. I think that, yeah, that's kind I of where think, I was trying to get. It's getting late, and I'm right. <laughs> I was losing that, the thread a little bit as I was talking. That I think is bullshit. Good. But I do think that there are other people when they say everything happens for a reason. It's not them trying to not take responsibility. It's more of this terrible thing happened. I have to have hope. This yeah. is going to give me some level of hope, and I'm going to try to look for what that good thing is. Mm-hmm. Because again, in Writers of Justice, it's terrible that it his also, wife dies. It, it's horrible. Uh, it's also true that it was a very happy, heartwarming ending, mm-hmm. and Mads was a better person at the end of the movie, and he seemed happier that does not take away whatsoever from the pain that he was experiencing and it does not mean that he stopped missing his wife and and yeah. that's i think it's not like any of them are really better you know, right like said at the beginning, they- and and that's the complexity <laughs> of these characters that i love so much and and the depth that again just gives this movie so much heart it's great yeah yeah, it's good. It really gets at that fine line that we were talking about too, with like confirmation bias and stuff, where it's like, yeah, everything happens for a reason. So obviously, like that's kind of what leads them down this path in the first place. It's like, oh, it happened for a reason. This fucking guy did it. Let's kill this fucking guy. We have math to back it up. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> All right. Uh, any final words that either of you want to say about Writers of Justice? I'm just relieved that you guys ended up liking these movies as much as you did. I was yeah. very we started this that's like, oh god, these we're gonna fucking hate these. I <laughs> <laughs> really hate these movies. And so poorly. But I was I like very we, pleased that you guys like these as much as you did. I like that we got to show up and support you through this stand. <laughs> that you, you had all this anxiety, but now we're here for you and we're like, you know what, it's okay. You you did good. You did good. Yeah, it's a great theme. Um, Absolutely love it. Uh, also, I, I like that the movies to me increased in quality. I I, I loved the door. <laughs> I did. It's very very good. I enjoyed another round more, <clears throat> and I just I fucking love Riders of Justice. So for me, I'm glad that uh, that the quality increased as they went through. Another round is my MVP. That movie just. That movie just made me want to dance. I mean, it really did. I love that movie. I, I do also, of course, I love Riders of Justice. Like this movie is fucking great. Um, I was another round doesn't have Leonard holding up a gun that is horribly uh, misassembled, saying second place. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's good. <laughs> Such a good I'll movie. say this. Here's, here's how I feel about Riders of Justice. And I'm so glad that I'm about to use this analogy because I meant to bring this up earlier and I forgot. Riders of Justice knocked me the way that Mads knocks Otto back in the car in that scene. <laughs> which I think is maybe the harshest punch I've ever f***ing seen in my entire life. The scene when Otto is leading through the middle and Mads just turns around and punches him in the face. It is... I rewound that scene and watched it like three times because I was like, did he actually just knock this guy the f*** out? Like, it is incredible <laughs> how hard he rocks this dude back on <laughs> Like It's unbelievable uh man yeah great great punch one of the great movie punches yep uh, but yeah that's how riders of justice did but it did it in like a much more uh loving way <laughs> <laughs> much more much more pleasant kind of way <laughs> a pleasant punch to the nose i don't think that those exist uh, all right um <clears throat> again i could keep talking about riders of justice for hours but it's all just going to be minor details or like, oh, man, you remember this other scene? That scene was great. I, I think that we've kind of hit on all of the the main topics. And uh, yes, Dan, absolutely love these. I regret that I wasn't able to watch nearly as many Mads movies as you did during March. But um, yeah, these are literally the only ones I watched. I'm, so I'm still pretty pleased that I watched. I think I watched like 22 and that, yeah, was with, like, and that was with like traveling on two different weekends. So you're the best of us, Dan. I, I'm jealous. Uh, all right. So let's look at the March Madness bracket to see what um, what Riders of Justice went up against. And it very clearly was the correct choice. But let's look at how right of a choice it was. So in round one, Riders of Justice went up. The hunt? No, it went up against Open Hearts. I don't even remember what that one was about. It was about oh yeah, know, that's, hearts. Yeah, I remember that. Or, that's Written something. by Thomas Anders Jensen, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to watch it. That's the Susan Beer one, right? Yes, or Susan Beer. Yeah. Um, was, was that the one about like his, his kid he thought was dead, and then there's a big lie? Was that something? Yeah, I think there's like a car accident or something in that movie. I, I can't remember. Don't know how to spell hearts. Apparently, I think that's the one that isn't that the one that Zach Braff is going to do a remake of. <laughs> I think so. At one point, yeah, Zach Braff like for a very long time tried to get a remake of Open Hearts. That whole sentence just sounds wrong. <laughs> it's uh, pretty oh. interesting. Oh, and it also has a, a Otto is in the movie. Open <clears throat> Hearts was Cecile and uh, Joaquim are about to get married when a free car accident leaves Joaquim disabled, throwing their lives into a spin. The driver of the other car, Marie, and her family oh, don't get off lightly either. A Dogma 95 film. Her husband, Niels, works in the hospital where he meets Cecile and falls madly in love with her. It might be interesting. Uh, I, I do, I do yeah, like that it kind of plays <clears throat> with some of those themes of how one small decision has an impact. Um, yeah, it definitely sounds like that's... But yeah, that's Riders of Justice... I, Open Heart seems interesting. It does not seem like it would even compare to how great Riders of Justice was. In round two, Riders of Justice went up against Valhalla Rising, and there, there's no f***ing contest there. I mean, <laughs> it's <clears throat> Valhalla Rising would have been a movie where we talk about him being shirtless and mute and one-eyed and how Nicholas Winding Refton loves to not have people talk i just i don't 
So yeah, Riders of Justice uh, absolutely was the right choice. And then in round three, Riders of Justice went up against the door. And that also was the correct choice. Very glad that, that one. Uh, and then the door the just door. The, the door just happened to come back in the uh, the That's chaos. So yeah, in, in looking at all of the movies that Riders of Justice <laughs> went up against, this was easily of the three that we looked at. There was no contest. Like it's so wait, what knocked out the hunt? Uh, a number of was things. Another round? The hunt uh, all right. So the hunt in round one went up against Flame and Citron, which Yeah, uh, yeah. I need to go back and watch that one because that one that still seems awesome. Great. I Is it? <laughs> yeah, I saw that you watched it. It looked it's so good. good. <laughs> yeah, that one. I really want to watch that one. Uh in round two, it the hunt lost to Green Butchers. <laughs> but, oh my god but we kept the hunt uh, as uh as that wild card chaos pick right yeah that was basically my chaos right thrown down and the chaos so card. then in the uh in the losers round it was the door versus the hunt and the door gotcha won. that makes sense okay man it, got, it didn't even make it to the final no the final four no what a bummer. yeah although that is a great transition for uh our next episode is going to be our next popcorn punch out video rack attack bracket for the april all-out aliens attack <laughs> that's too fucking long uh nope. so it's me longer Yes, it does. So in in that episode, we're going to do what we did with our March Madness uh, bracket and something that if this is the first episode that you're catching, we are going to do pretty much every single month. There's going to be uh, a few months uh, here and there where we don't do this. Uh, like, for instance, this year for our Halloween theme, um, we have specific episodes that we are trying to get lined up. So we're not going to be doing a bracket on that one because we're going to know ahead of time what we're doing. But for the most part, the way that we're going to be addressing which movies we're covering each month is to start with a bracket episode uh, that, again, we're titling Popcorn Punch-Out. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to do a bracket of 16. For the alien one, there are going to be 33 possibly more. There's a couple of movies that we might end up tacking on. Um I think I have to cut some of mine because I'm realizing that like there there's one movie in particular I really want to win and like if it doesn't even get drawn I'm gonna be pissed. So <laughs> that's the to- thing we're starting with at <clears throat> least 32, somewhere between 32 and 35. The, the current number is 33 uh, movies in our skull of decisions, which is just a giant plastic uh, Halloween decoration skull that I have a bunch of uh, these little like um, uh, universal monster like blind bag things that they're these kind of like the Easter egg little plastic Easter eggs. Yeah, they look more like pokeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to have the names of each of these movies in <laughs> the balls in the skull and I'm going to be randomly drawing each of the pairings for the first round of 16 which means currently we have twice as many movies as there are going to even make it into the first round so half of the ones that were like "Ooh, we would love to talk about this aren't even gonna make it into the bracket 
And then from there, we're going to do a standard, you know, uh, 16, 8, 4. And then in the final four, the two that are the winners are obviously going to be the two that we talk about. Uh, There's a few other minor things like we are talking about. I think we're going to end up doing this. Once we pick the final two, just a, a super quick, which one do we think is going to be better? So that similar to how for me, the Mads movies increased in quality we're going to be ending with what we think is the best movie. So whichever one wins of those final two, that's going to be the last one that we talk about. Hopefully uh, each of the movies are just going to keep getting better and better throughout the month. The losers bracket is going to work a little bit differently. And in, uh, in our actual popcorn punch out episode, uh, I'll give a few more details, but basically the two movies that lose in the final four are going to be in the pool to potentially be drawn. But much like the hunt was a wild card, um, each of us are going to have a chaos card that one of the losers throughout the uh, throughout the 16. If we think, no, that's bullshit, this needs to make it to the end, we, we can use our chaos card and put it in that loser's pool or for us, the chaos bracket, and hopefully, hopefully, fate will be Gives on our side. Gives it a chance to make a return from the dead. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and again, there's a few uh, minor details that I'll go into more detail in the next episode because it does not make sense to focus on them here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there, there are some great, great movies that we have <laughs> in our pool right now, including movies such as... <clears throat> Galaxy Quest and Zathura and Flight of the yeah. Navigator and Earth Girls Are Easy and Bad Taste and Dark City. These are I know when I think Earth. of alien movies, these are the first <laughs> movies that come to mind. <laughs> like, nothing nothing else, you know. We okay. Nothing else comes close that I've encountered. Aside from Battlefield Earth, there is not a single movie in our list of 30 plus movies right now that I would not want us to talk about. So (laughs) I want to talk about Battlefield Earth. This is news to me. Now I now I know what to what to put the screws on for Nathan. Dan and I are going to have to form a a Battlefield Earth alliance (laughs) if it even gets drawn. And and that's the other thing. Uh, and and something. Zenu wishes it would. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing. Is in the bracket. We're not we're the, we're gonna the writers be voting. We're not gonna be voting for the movies that we think are the best. It's the ones that we think we would have the most fun discussing. I mean, we're gonna be voting for whatever we wanted. I mean, yeah. There's no, There's we're not reasons going yeah. from, I think it's the best. I want to talk about it to fuck you, Nathan. There's <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a very yes. accurate reason. Yes. Uh, yeah. So be sure to come back for our next episode where we're going to be yelling at each other a lot. And it's going to be you know, so much back fun. Me in, induced argument. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I've been like so excited about this, but the closer we get to it, the more I'm like, I'm I don't know how I feel about this anymore, guys. 
It's going to be great, but I, I know that my heart is going to be broken at least once. Mac and me might kick out signs first round. Jesus Christ, Nathan. Science is, a, science is so good. I'm just saying, that is science a thing is that so could happen. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad save the world could kick out District 9. I mean, look, here's the thing. I'm just saying. Nathan, you're a wild happen. card. I've, I feel I have, I have Dan here. Earth Which girls think, are easy. Could knock out the abyss. That is, that would never happen. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, unless that is a possibility. Up, unless you like body snatch Dan in some way. <laughs> Here is where it could win, though. If the abyss and mom and dad save the world go up against each other, and the abyss clearly wins, if mom and dad gets the wild card. And then in the next round, whatever the abyss goes up against is a better movie. The better movie might knock out the abyss. And so mom and dad might make it through in the chaos bracket. I'm just saying there's so many things that could happen. And I need to know the statistics on this, uh, on this happening. Uh, is there only, I know. Yeah. What are the, (laughs) what are the chances of, of this happening? I was actually trying to game this out. At one point where I was like, if I pick this movie to go into the bracket and it goes up again, I was trying to think of like different ver- like ways that it could actually even make it Yeah, like trying to game it out if it went up against these things. And I'm like, man, the chances of this actually getting picked are slim. Should I even put it in the skull of decisions? <laughs> <laughs> and that is what I am so, so looking forward to, because again, all of the <laughs> movies on the list, I think that we would have a lot of fun discussing. We might not necessarily have fun watching, but we would have a lot of fun discussing. Sure. And I think that's where I think that's the line in the sand for me a lot of times is it's like, yeah, a lot of times we we discuss movie. I like, I always enjoy discussing movies with you guys, but uh I do have to watch them. Yep. Like <laughs> I want to enjoy the experience of watching a movie. <laughs> uh, you bring your own joy to the situation, man. Don't don't let the movie make the joy for you. Like Nathan is a masochist where like if you sometimes you will log the craziest shit on Letterboxd and I'm like, what were you doing? Dude, I'm watching all the direct to video Nick Cage shit. <laughs> Look, at least yeah, there's a purpose but you're, to that. You're not logging things like Santa Jaws about a ghost shark Santa or Nightmare just, Shark. I don't see the problem in any of this. <laughs> or, or Nightmare the, Shark, was, which is basically Nightmare on Elm Street, but rather than a pedo who got burned, it's a ghost shark home invasion nightmare movie. Okay, but look, so now, you're making, now you're making me sound like an ass because that sounds great, but it's bad. there was something you logged not too long ago where I was just sitting there like, are you okay? Like, do you, do you need someone to check in on you? Like, what? I think about all of the movies that I want to see in my lifetime <laughs> oh, that I will oh, never was, get to. Uh, it, it was the day the earth stood still. Okay. That was not the movie I was thinking oh, was of, it, but also, but also I just think like you talk about how you have so little time to watch movies and in your free time, you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to watch the 2008, the day the earth stood still with Keanu Reeves it's of not all bad. the movies that exist. It's not bad. It's this not good. Incomplete. That's the one I'm throwing on. It's I I almost put it in the list. <laughs> no, I uh, did put it on oh, the list. No, you it didn't make it into the skull the list, and then you you cut it later. But uh, yeah. Uh oh shit! What, oh, what was it? Was it um 
Because I had the original one on there, and I didn't put a year next to it because I thought it was obvious (laughs) (laughs) what movie I was talking about. (laughs) And then I see, oh, look, here's the day the Earth stood still, 2008. Oh. I actually worked at a movie theater when that movie came out. That was my first Christmas (laughs) as a movie theater employee. And uh, there were... very few people going to see that movie on Christmas Day in 2008. <laughs> Anywho, <clears throat> so the bracket. Um, there are obviously movies that we want to win. That being said, maybe some of you could sway our decisions. Uh, so, so yeah, um, if you join us in Discord, join into the Popcorn Punch-Out chat and, and really really try to get Eric on board with mom and dad save the world <laughs> and Mac and me. Um, I mean, Be- because the, those were the two that in text Eric was the angriest about. Yeah, that was the one where I was like, I can't believe I had to f-ing cut two movies <laughs> to make room for these two picks of Nathan's. <laughs> I, I haven't seen either one of those movies to be fair. And I will say that you did slightly almost kind of pull me to your side when you pointed out that mom and dad save the world was written by uh chris matheson and ed solomon yeah it's great so i was like okay maybe there's something there, there but also something there look at all of the other movies on the list <laughs> oh man <clears throat> and none of those movies have john lovett's kidnapping terry gar i mean I, but uh, Nathan, that's just that's that's not it. That's <laughs> I am so. I don't even know how to respond. So to looking that. forward to the episode. Well, you have uh, at least a day because hopefully we're going to be recording this episode tomorrow. I hope. All right, yeah. we should probably go ahead and end things uh, while this is still a reasonably lengthed episode. Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me on Twitter at HBO2FrontRow and on HBO2FrontRow.com. And Eric, where do you want people to madschen you? Right? Mention? Um, that's. I don't don't want anyone to do that to me ever. Um, But if anybody wanted to follow me online, they can find me on Twitter at TheChimerican. Just T-H-E-C-H-I-M-E-R-I-C-A-N. I am also on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews and on Letterboxd at Eric J-A-Y. Mads Mikkelsen needs to be in a Lovecraftian horror. Oh, yes. Yes. In the mouth of Madsness. Of course. Um, I wonder if he'll be in the in the uh, Doctor Strange sequel in the multiverse of Madsness. <laughs> he might be. But I just realized uh, I just have to give a quick shout out to another Twitter account, which is uh, Mads Mikkelsen doing things. Such a great Twitter. Uh, great Twitter account. Um, it is exactly what it sounds like, and it is the most delightful follow I've had in a long time. Like it is lovely. Hey, Love hey, it so much. Hey Eric. Yes, sir. Do you want to hear a joke about pizza? <laughs> no. Uh, it was cheesy anyway. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, good stuff. You know, we never we haven't talked about Hamilton. Hanno- I almost said Hamilton. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Hannibal very much. 
because this is a movie podcast, not a TV show podcast. But Hannibal rules, and Mads Mikkelsen is unbelievable on that show. So, mm-hmm. so just just had to throw that out there. Sure, that's where he. That's we'll, like we'll the, TV that's like the thing he has had the most fun in. Like he rarely gets to be really fun in movies, and he is so much fun in Hannibal. <laughs> like he we, is just. We at some point might start doing some sort of TV series thing where we watch episodes and then. You know, talk about that episode immediately. Or so I, I don't know. We have too many ideas. Literally, a list of like a hundred themes that uh, that we're going to get to eventually. So we've, we've got plenty to talk about, and you can uh, hear us talk about all of that wherever you get your podcast. Just do a search for Video Monsters, and you can follow me on me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at the Gargyle. That's G A R G Y L E. And if you follow me at The Gargoyle, then you can see all of the questionable movie decisions that I make. And if you follow us uh, on Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod, I'm behind in posting. At some point, I'm going to get caught up. But again, we're at 300 plus episodes, and I, I plan on going back and uh, you know logging all of those with the, the episode links. And that takes time, and I don't have time to do that because I have to watch Nightmare Shark again. <laughs> so be sure to keep coming back uh as we dive into april with our aliens theme and start by yelling at each other for terrible terrible decisions and it's gonna be a lot of fun all right that's been it for this episode of video monsters i'm nathan i'm eric i'm dan and to close us out once again is uh, is my son because he he likes podcasting uh, and so here is the end of the episode that's been it for this episode of video monsters <laughs> join us next time for all popcorn I love how like he just really he really especially with the video rack attack he's like all in he's like yeah he was so excited he's punching with the diaphragm there he's just like rack. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and then he gave his uh, maniacal laughter at the end it was, it was yes beautiful. he did he's a born podcaster he, mm-hmm. he is 